Chapter Three of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Crystal Ball. Am I late, Lady Mother? Madame Marsh turned toward Alden with a smile. Only five minutes, and it doesn't matter since it's Saturday. Five minutes, he repeated some clever person once said that those who are five minutes late do more to upset the order of the universe than all the anarchists madame's white hands fluttered out over the silver coffee service one lump or two she inquired with the sugar-tongs poised over his cup two please of course she knew but she liked to ask she had been at the table waiting for him since the grandfather's clock in the hall struck eight in the old house on the shore of the river breakfast was a function luncheon a mild festivity and dinner an affair of high state madame herself always appeared at dinner suitably clad and moreover insisted upon evening clothes for her son once years ago he had protested at the formality why not she had queried coldly shall we not be as civilized as we can and again when he had presented himself at the dinner hour in the serviceable garb of every day she had refused to go to the table until he came down again dressed as a gentleman should be dressed after six o'clock the sunlight streamed into every nook and cranny of the room where they sat at breakfast it lighted up the polished surfaces of old mahogany woke forgotten gleams from the worn old silver and summoned stray bits of iridescence from the prisms that hung from the heavy gilt chandeliers with less graciousness it revealed several places on the frame of the mirror over the mantel where the gold had fallen away and had been replaced by an inferior sort of gilding by some subtle trickery with the lace curtain that hung at the open window it laid an arabesque of delicate shadow upon the polished floor in the room beyond where madame's crystal ball lay on the mahogany table with a bit of black velvet beneath it the sun had made a living rainbow that carried colour and light into the hall and even up the stairway as she sat with her back to it the light was scarcely less gentle with madame it brought silver into her white hair shimmered along the silken surface of her grey gown and deepened the violet shadows in her eyes it threw into vivid relief the cameo that fastened the lace at her throat rested for a moment upon the mellow gold of her worn wedding-ring as she filled alden's cup and paused reminiscently at the corner of her mouth where there had once been a dimple across the table the light shone full upon alden's face but manlike he had no fear of it madame noted with loving approval how it illumined the dark depths of his eyes and showed the strength of his firm boyish chin each day to her he grew more like his father a penny for your thoughts he said madame sighed it seems so strange she replied after a pensive interval that i should be old and you should be young you look so much like your father sometimes that it is as though the clock had turned back for him and i had gone on you're older now than he was when we were married but i need my mirror to remind me that i'm past my twenties a woman and her mirror laughed alden helping himself to a crisp muffin what tales each might tell of the other if they would don't misunderstand me dear she said quickly it's not that i mind growing old i've never been the unhappy sort of woman who desires to keep the year forever at the spring each season has its own beauty its own charm we would tire of violets and apple blossoms if they lasted always impermanence is the very essence of joy 
the drop of bitterness that enables one to perceive the sweet all of which is undoubtedly true he returned gallantly but the fact remains that you're not old and never will be you're merely a girl who has powdered her hair for a fancy dress ball flatterer she said with affected severity but the delicate pink flush that bloomed in her cheeks showed that she was pleased will you drive to-day he asked as they rose from the table i think not i'm a hothouse plant you know and it seems cold outside have the new books come yet yes they came yesterday but i haven't opened the parcel i hope they won't prove as disappointing as the last lot there wasn't a thing i could ask rosemary to read i'm continually falling back on the old ones the old books are the best after all like the old friends in the old ways alden walked around the room restlessly his hands in his pockets at length he paused before the window overlooking the vineyard on the other side of the valley the slope was bare of snow now the vines waited the call of spring a soft footfall sounded beside him then his mother put a caressing hand upon his shoulder it's almost time to begin isn't it she asked her beautiful old face was radiant impatiently he shook himself free from her touch mother he began let's have it out once for all i can't stand this any longer she sank into the nearest chair with all the life suddenly gone from her face and figure in a moment she had grown old but presently with an effort she regained her self-command yes she returned quietly what do you wish to do anything he answered abruptly anything but this i want to get out where i can breathe where the sky fits the ground as far as you can see where it isn't eternally broken into by these everlasting hills i'd like to know that dinner wouldn't always be ready at seven o'clock in fact i'd like sometimes not to have any dinner at all i want to get forty miles from a schoolhouse and two hundred miles from a grape i never want to see another grape as long as i live he knew that he was hurting her but his insurgent youth demanded its right of speech after long repression i'm a man he cried and i want to do a man's work in the world and take a man's place just because my ancestors chose to slave in a treadmill i don't have to stay in it do i you have no right to keep me chained up here the clock ticked loudly in the hall the canary hopped noisily about his cage and chirped shrilly a passing breeze came through the open window and tinkled the prisms that hung from the chandelier it sounded like the echo of some far-away bell no said madame dully as you say i have no right to keep you chained up here mother he cried with swift remorse don't misunderstand me she raised her hand and motioned him to the chair opposite your language is sufficiently explicit she went on clearing her throat there is no chance for any one to misunderstand you i am very sorry that i i have not seen that you have been obliged to ask for release from an unpleasant position go wherever you choose he stared at her for a moment uncomprehending mother oh mother he whispered do you really mean it where shall we go we oui, she repeated now i do misunderstand you why mother what do you mean of course we shall go together madame rose from her chair with some difficulty 
you have said she went on choosing her words carefully that i had no right to keep you chained up here i admit it i have not equally you have no right to uproot me but mother why i couldn't go without you and leave you alone we belong together you and i the hard lines of her mouth relaxed ever so little but her eyes were very dark and stern as much as we belong together she resumed we belong here dead hands built this house dead hands laid out that vineyard dead hands have given us our work if we fail we betray the trust of those who have gone before us we have nothing to give to those who come i've seen she continued with rising passion you were determined from the first to fail fail he echoed with lips that scarcely moved yes for no man fails except by his own choice you might have been master of the vineyard but you have preferred to have the vineyard master you confronted with an uncongenial task you slunk away from it and shielded yourself behind the sophistry that the work was unworthy of you as if any work were unworthy of a man i hate it he murmured resentfully yes just as people hate their superiors you hate it because you can't do it year by year i have seen the crop grow less and less year by year i have seen our income decreasing we are living now on less than half of what we had when you took charge of the vineyard last year the grapes were so poor that i was ashamed to use them for wine and to think she flashed at him bitterly that the name of marsh used to stand for quality what does it mean now nothing thanks to you the dull red rose to his temples and he cringed visibly i i he stammered one moment please and then i shall say no more this is between you and your own manhood not between you and your mother i put no obstacles in your path you may go when and where you choose i only ask you to remember that a man who has failed to do the work that lies nearest his hand is not likely to succeed at anything else it is not for you to say whether or not anything is worthy when it has once been given you to do you have only to do it and make it worthy by the doing when you have proved yourself capable another task will be given you but not before you hate the vineyard because you cannot raise good grapes you hate to teach school because you cannot teach school well you want to find something easy to do something that will require no effort no he interrupted you're mistaken there i want to do something great i'm not asking for anything easy greatness comes slowly she answered her voice softening a little and by difficult steps not by leaps and bounds you must learn the multiplication table before you can be an astronomer none the less it is your right to choose then granting that why wouldn't you come with me because it is also my right to choose for myself and i belong here when i identified myself with the marsh family i did it in good faith when i was married i came here my children were born here your father and brother and sister died here and i shall die here too when you go i shall do my best with the vineyard she spoke valiantly but there was a pathetic little quiver in her lips as she said the last words alden stood at the window contemplating the broad acres bordered with pine 
do not say when i go mother say if i go i thought you had decided she murmured but her heart began to beat quickly nevertheless no i haven't but i'll decide in the course of the day good-bye for the present he stooped kissed the cheek she turned to him and went out assuming a cheerfulness he did not feel madame leaned back in her chair with her eyes closed exhausted by the stress of emotion the maid came in for orders she gave them mechanically then went into the living-room she was anxious to be alone but felt unequal to the exertion of climbing the stairs as the hours passed she slowly regained her composure it seemed impossible that alden should go away and leave her when they two were alone in the world and as he said belonged together more than ever that morning had he looked like his father old memories crowded thickly upon her as she sat there bits of her childhood flashed back at her out of the eternal stillness even as the beads of a tolled rosary since the day she met alden's father everything was clear and distinct for with women life begins with love and the rest is as though it had never been an old daguerreotype was close at hand in a table drawer she opened the ornate case tenderly brushed the blue velvet that lined it and kissed the pictured face behind the glass so much had they borne together so much had they loved and all was gone save this the serene eyes forever youthful looked back at her across the years except for the quaint old-fashioned look inseparable from an old picture the face was that of a boy who had left her a few hours ago the deep dark eyes the regular features the firm straight chin the lovable mouth the adorable boyishness all were there shut in by blue velvet and glass madame smiled as she sat there looking at it she had always had her way with the father why should she doubt her power over the son supremely maternal as she was the sheltering instinct had extended even to the man she loved he had been outwardly strong and self-confident assured self-reliant even severe with others but behind the bold exterior as always to the eyes of the beloved woman had been a little shrinking helpless child craving the comfort of a woman's hand the sanctuary of a woman's breast even in her own hours of stress and trial she had feared to lean upon him too much knowing how surely he depended upon her he was more than forty when he died yet to her he had been as one of her children though infinitely dearer than any child could be the quick tears started at the thought of the children for the childish prattle had so soon been hushed the eager little feet been so quickly stilled alden was the first-born son with an older daughter who had been named virginia for her mother virginia would have been thirty-two now and probably married with children of her own the second son would have been twenty-eight and possibly married also there might have been a son-in-law a daughter-in-law and three or four children by this time had these two lived so through the house of memories her fancy sped as though borne on wings childish voices rang through the empty corridors and the fairy patter of tiny feet sounded on the stairs one by one out of the shadows old joys and old loves came toward her forgotten hopes and lost dreams hands long since mingled with the dust clasped hers once more with perfect understanding warm lips were crushed upon hers with the old ecstasy and the old thrill even the sorrows from which the bitterness had strangely vanished 
came back out of the darkness not with hesitancy but with assurance as though already welcomed by a friend alden did not come home to luncheon so madame made only a pretence of eating as the long afternoon wore away she reproached herself bitterly for her harshness there had been pain in the boy's eyes when he bent to kiss her and she had turned her cheek she would have faced any sort of privation for this one beloved son the only gift life had not as yet taken back perhaps after all he knew best for have not men led and women followed since back in paradise the first woman gave her hand trustingly to the first man long slanting sunbeams alight with the gold of afternoon came into the room by another window and chanced upon the crystal ball madame's face grew thoughtful i wonder she mused if i dare to try she was half afraid of her own sorcery because so many times that which she had seen had come true once when a child was ill she had gazed into the crystal and seen the little white coffin that a week later was carried out of the front door again she had seen the vision of a wedding which was unexpectedly fulfilled later when a passing cousin begged the hospitality of her house for a marriage she drew her chair up to the table made sure of the proper light and leaned over the ball for a time there was darkness then confused images that meant nothing then at last clear and distinct as a flash of lightning her own son holding a woman in his arms madame pushed the ball aside profoundly disturbed was the solution of their problem then to come in that way and who was the woman in the dazzling glimpse she had caught no detail save a shimmering white gown and her son's face half hidden by the masses of the woman's hair a faint memory of the hair persisted she had never seen anything quite like it was it brown or golden or perhaps red yes red that was it and in all the circle of their acquaintance there was no woman with red hair it was evident then that he was going away very well she would go too and when alden had found his woman with the red hair she would come back alone of course they would not want her she felt suddenly lonely as though she had lived too long for the first time she forgot to light the candles on the mantel when the room became too dark to see she had sat alone in the darkness for some time when she heard alden step outside when he came in he missed the accustomed lights mother he called vaguely alarmed then again mother where are you mother dear i'm here she responded rising from her chair and fumbling along the mantel-shelf for matches i'm sorry i forgot the candles the mere sound of his voice had made her heart leap with joy he was muddy and tired and his face was very white i know it's late he said apologetically and i'll go up to dress right now i-i've decided to-stay his voice broke a little on the last word madame drew his tall head down and kissed him forgetting all about the crystal ball for your own sake she asked or for mine for yours of course i'll try to do as you want me to lady mother i have nothing to do but to make you happy for answer she kissed him again i must dress too she said when they met at dinner half an hour later neither made any reference to the subject that had been under discussion outwardly all was calm and peaceful 
as deep flowing waters may hide the rocks beneath by the time coffee was served they were back upon the old footing of affectionate comradeship afterward he read the paper while madame played solitaire when she turned the queen of hearts she remembered the red-haired woman whom she had seen in the crystal ball and they were not going away after all madame felt that she had in some way gained an unfair advantage over the red-haired woman there would be no one now to take her boy away from her and yet when the time came for her to go would she want alden to live on in the old house alone looking after the hated vineyard and teaching the despised school at best it could be only a few years more feeling her grave sweet eyes upon him alden looked up from his paper what is it mother dear she said thoughtfully i want you to marry and bring me a daughter i want to hold your son in my arms before i die rather a large order isn't it he laughed indifferently and went on with his reading madame laughed too as she continued her solitaire but none the less she dreamed that night that the house was full of women with red hair and that each one was gazing earnestly into the depths of a crystal ball End of chapter 3